This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, I'm Dan Permac, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Thursday, June 24th. Stocks are up, the New York City mayoral candidates are being winnowed down, and we're focused on Britney Spears' conservatorship. Yesterday, pop superstar Britney Spears told a California judge, quote, I just want my life back. It's been 13 years, and it's enough. During a hearing about a conservatorship she's been under since 2008, which she also called abusive. This was the first time she'd ever personally addressed the court, having previously let her attorneys do the talking. That included last November, when her lawyer said that his client was afraid of her father, Jamie, who allegedly controls everything from his daughter's finances to her birth control. Why it matters is this is a case that's captivated much of the country, particularly since last month when the New York Times published a documentary film titled Framing Britney Spears. This story obviously involves celebrity, but really it's more about mental health, the power of courts, and our rights to self-determination. Four things to know. First, the conservatorship began after Britney Spears was twice taken via ambulance to hospitals for involuntary psychiatric evaluations due to concerns about her behavior and substance abuse. Two, over the years, her father, Jamie, has said that Britney could end the conservatorship whenever she wants to, but that everyone felt it was working well. The New York Times, though, reports that her lawyer first told the court seven years ago that Britney wanted to explore having her father removed. Three, those who support Britney's emancipation, including the increasingly mainstream fan movement Free Britney, are very quick to point out that it is inconsistent to argue a woman can't take care of herself at the same time that she's releasing best-selling albums, doing public interviews, and headlining concerts all over the world. Four, in court yesterday, Britney's allegations included that she's been drugged and that she's been forced to work against her will. So today we want to go deeper into what Britney said yesterday, what might happen next, and the broader societal implications of her situation with Constance Grady of Vox, who's been covering the case. But first, this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. We're joined now by Constance Grady, a culture writer at Vox.com. So Constance, this conservatorship has been in place for well over a decade, but Britney speaks out now in court. Why do you think this was the moment? Well, one of the things that Britney said in her statement um, that was really surprising to a lot of people and a little bit heartbreaking is that she did not know for a long time that she was allowed to ask for this conservatorship to end. And for a long time, her 
relationship to the public has been very curtailed. If a journalist wanted to speak to her, they had to confirm beforehand that they were not going to ask her about this conservatorship. She hasn't had many options to talk about how she feels about it in public. This was basically the first time. And it seems to be the first time as well that she has fully understood her rights in this situation and the fact that she can ask for it to end if she wants to. This has been going on for over a decade. How did concern, public concern about the conservatorship go mainstream? Public concern about the conservatorship really starts to take off in 2019. In April 2019, this podcast called Britney's Gram, where two comedians talk about Britney's Instagram, gets a voicemail from someone who claims to be a paralegal at the law firm handling Britney's conservatorship. No reporter has ever confirmed his story. He says that Britney is essentially being held captive by her family, that she's been forced to perform against her will, and that she has been committed to mental institutions against her will. We now know from a New York Times report that came out on Monday that this is in fact the case. We did not know that in 2019. But the fact that this story was so shocking and so compelling really jarred a lot of people and made them start to say, wait, is Britney actually in control of her life? She seems really happy on her social media platforms. Is that in fact the case? How would we know? What role did the Free Britney fan movement play in what we're seeing right now? There's been this movement stirring for basically as long as the conservatorship has been around, but it's after Britney's Graham really popularizes the idea that it starts to spread all over social media. And as this narrative takes off, you start to see more and more news outlets going, oh, maybe this is something we should look into. Finally culminating in February in the release of the Framing Britney Spears documentary that really, I think, brought this story completely into the mainstream and ended up with House Republicans Republicans introducing a bill into Congress calling for new guidelines on conservatorship. How is the movement reacting to yesterday's court appearance? The movement, I think, feels vindicated, first of all, that they have been correct that Britney is in danger and does not feel happy with the way things are currently going. And I think there's also a lot of outrage that the conservatorship is even more constrictive than anyone knew. Yesterday, for the first time, Brittany revealed that she has an IUD that she is not allowed to get removed, which is a level of coerciveness and the deprivation of her reproductive freedom that's pretty shocking to a lot of people. You mentioned the uh, New York Times documentary. Is that also the time when you think the mainstream press, and I guess we should put ourselves into this too, started taking this as a serious issue? Absolutely. You know, I've been covering the Free Britney movement for a couple of years now, and there was a really palpable change in the energy of the conversation as soon as Framing Britney came out. I think that was the first time people, first of all, were forced to confront just how intense the situation Britney went through in 2007 was in terms of the way the public treated her. And also how little they know about what the conservatorship is like now and how constrained and cut off from the rest of the world she seems to be. The Me Too movement examined uh, gendered power structures. Do you think we'd be having this conversation right now if it wasn't for Me Too? 
I think that Me Too definitely changed the way that we talk about women in public, and especially young women whose sexuality is at the center of the public conversation about them, as it was for Britney. One of the things that I think has shocked a lot of people looking back is how preoccupied the mainstream press was with the question of Britney's virginity. This was something that people were asking her at press conferences when she was a teenager um, in a way that I don't think would really fly today. And that incredible shift is in large part due to the Me Too movement and the attention it's brought to the gendered power dynamics of celebrity. Let's dig a little bit into the specifics of this conservatorship and how these arrangements typically work. Are conservatorships common in the pop culture world? I would not say that conservatorships are necessarily common in the pop culture world, but it is a thing that exists in every single state. There's a legal understanding that sometimes adults are not capable of taking care of themselves. Maybe they are too old. Maybe they have suffered from mental illness or brain damage, and they need someone to look out for their best interests. I think a lot of advocates for the rights of conservatives have argued that this can especially be the case when the person in question has a lot of very valuable resources, as Britney Spears obviously does. She has a $60 million fortune, and that financial wealth can make them an attractive target to a conservator who may or may not actually be acting in their best interests. Obviously, celebrities have public breakdowns because they are living in public. But why do you think Britney's specifically led to her being put under conservatorship? You know, take somebody like Kanye West, for example, who's had public breakdowns. He's not under any sort of conservatorship. Yeah. And it's very striking to note, too, that Kanye's mental health issues have expressed themselves in forms of outward aggression some of the times, including his run for president and his speeches about his family in ways that have clearly hurt other people, whereas Britney's mental health struggles were very clearly hurting her primarily most of all in ways that seem to have been somehow more offensive to the public than what's going on with Kanye. I think there was a sense that Britney and her body and her talent sort of belonged to the public, and therefore, when she wasn't treating them as people wanted, her control of herself had to be taken away from her. There's a very specifically gendered dynamic to the way in which the public reacted to Britney Spears and her breakdown in 2007. You mentioned earlier how her sexuality has always been a central part of her public persona and how that maybe played into that. So do you think the things that made her famous and successful in part, did they also kind of lead to how our society views her capacity to make decisions for herself? Mm, I think the question of whether Britney is in control of herself has been central to her image for a really long time. So if you look at reviews of her debut album on, say, Rolling Stone, a lot of the questions that are being asked are like, well, is she really doing this or is she a manufactured pop star? Is she the product of her producers, right? People have started to say, no, Britney was always the architect of Britney. She's the reason that she was such a star. But I think especially as she was coming up, there was this sense that she was sort of the puppet of her producers and of her management and of her parents stage parenting her to success. So when she started to spiral out, there was a sense that like, oh, they've lost control over her. They need to get it back. Someone needs to take this girl in hand. You talked about how lots of conservatorships in all states are kind of in place to protect, for example, the elderly from being scammed, from being abused. To your knowledge, is there legal precedent for forcing someone to use and keep an IUD for years, which Brittany yesterday claimed has happened to her? 
I'm not aware of a legal precedent for that, but a conservatorship does mean that you lose the ability to make choices about your personal life, which I can imagine could be argued to include medical decisions. There is a lot of potential for abuse in these conservatorships. They can be very, very broad ranging. And theoretically, the stop on that is supposed to be very, very stringent court oversight. But conservatorship advocates have often said that they don't think the system is working as it's supposed to. And I think what we're seeing in Britney's case is some confirmation that even with someone as famous and wealthy and powerful and beloved as Britney Spears, that is still the case because her conservatorship does really very clearly seem to be being abused and the court does not seem to have been able to stop that. What comes next in this case from a legal perspective? Well, after Britney spoke yesterday, the judge spoke to her lawyer and explained to him the guidelines for entering a petition to end the conservatorship. There was also some discussion of potentially allowing Britney to hire a new lawyer. She was never allowed to choose the one that she's working with now. After this, it is most likely that the rest of the proceedings will be sealed from the public, as most of the rest of this case has been. Brittany really wanted to speak to the public on this occasion, but she seems to be fine with closing things off after this. It's likely that a lot of this will become kind of mysterious again, and we'll be waiting and watching for court leaks to see what happens next. Constance Grady of Vox.com, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. What we're watching tomorrow will be Minneapolis, where a judge will sentence former police officer Derek Chauvin two months after he was convicted of murdering George Floyd. State guidelines recommend around a 12 and a half year jail term, since Chauvin is a first time offender. But Minnesota judges do have discretion on second degree murder convictions with a maximum of 40 years. Prosecutors argued there were aggravating factors that should lead to a harsh sentence, while defense lawyers want only probation. Assuming Chauvin does get a prison sentence, chances are he would serve around two-thirds of it. The hearing is scheduled to begin tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. local time. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Naomi Shaven, Sabina Singani, and Alex Sugiara. Please be sure to leave us a review. And if you're not already following the podcast or subscribed to it, do so. Have a great national Pralines Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap. <laughs>